Well, first of all, anybody who wants to get on these deals as a general partner, they need to they need to bring something to the table. So they need to figure out what they can bring to the table. Either they can find deals, source deals, either they can operate deals, do the asset management, or they can raise capital. And there are like several things that you, they, you can bring to the table. I'll never forget that day when I asked myself the question, is this it? Is this all there is to strive for in life? That day, I set out on a journey to find more. Now, I am sitting down with the most fulfilled to teach us the tools and tips they use to get there so we can do it faster. Think different, earn different, live fulfilled. This is Contrarian Cashflow. Welcome in Contrarian Cashflow. Today, I've got KK Singh with me. KK, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, John, on your show today. Um, I'm super excited. You've got such a blended background in regards to business and technology and all sorts of stuff. So super excited for the conversation. So for those folks that don't know, so KK is a business owner, a real estate investor, former systems engineer, and of course, above all else, a loving father and husband. So KK, what do you have keeping you busy right now? Well, at this time, we are in the middle of a raise for our deal, which I'm done almost. We have a property under contract that we are closing at the end of the month in Orlando, Florida. So I'm busy with that. I've been busy with that. And uh, also last week, I had a surgery for hernia. So I was home most of the week uh, talking to my investors on the phone and emailing, etc., no, the, the capital raise can't sleep, right? It doesn't matter if you had a hernia surgery or not. How's how's the recovery going so far? Pretty good. Pretty good. Awesome. I started awesome. I started going out here a little bit for an hour or two. That's it. Good. Well, glad to hear that that's going well. And I mean, Orlando is just an outstanding, obviously Florida, Southeast and Florida in general is just an outstanding market right now. So I know you'll, you'll cap that off here soon enough. So well, let's dive into your journey. I just think it's so interesting, right? I mean, you've got such a blended background from your professional career into your entrepreneurial career and, and now rolling into your investing career as well. So I guess, you know, just kind of give us uh, how the journey began and a brief synopsis of, of where you came from. I came from India back in 2000. I, as a Microsoft certified system engineer, and uh, I lost my job after 9-11, immediately after 9-11. And I was lucky enough that my friends helped to get me into the gas station business. So I got into the gas station business in 2001. I bought a gas station here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I have been living for the last 20 years. I was in Indianapolis for the first year. And uh after getting into the gas station business, I, I decided to stay in the gas station business because business is better than a W-2 job. So I, I grew from there. We kept buying gas stations until 2011. So I have eight gas stations with my partners here in Fort Wayne and all around Fort Wayne. And in 2012, I decided to diversify into some other business as well. So I built a ground room at from ground up and just by my gas station. I, I did my research for a whole year because I had never been to a laundromat before. So I decided to build and invest about 800000 at that time. So I, I, I dig deep into it. I did all my research for a whole year. I spent a year before I built it. And that's a one of the art laundromat. 
It's all big machines, card-operated, automatic machines, express machines. So it's been doing pretty good since then. No, ab- absolutely. And I mean, there's just, there's so much there. I mean, that's so... I got to kind of start back at the front a little bit, right? So you said you came from India as a systems engineer and relatively quickly after you came to the States, you lost your job. Mm-hmm. So what, what were you feeling then? What, I mean, what, you know, what was going through your mind at that point in time? Well, it was a hard time for me because I had my wife, which, who was a housewife and I had three kids, small, three small kids. And I was thinking what to do now. I had spent all my money that I brought from India, bought a car, bought furniture and everything, and no, had no intention to go back with no money. So I decided to get in the gas station business. Actually, I started as a cashier in the gas station business for $5.15 an hour. Wow. Okay. So you came came across and you, you know, had these grandiose plans of being the systems engineer and, you know, designing all these crazy architectures and, and technology systems. And then within six months, you're making $5.15 an hour. Correct. I wow. had to make... I had to have a living for my kids. So I started as $5.15 at a gas station my friend owned. But after about four months, he gave me a partnership in that gas station. I would say that is a pretty quick promotion and, <laughs> and a pretty nice yes. one after that. So so how did that kind of come about? You know, obviously, you know, he obviously helped you out with the job short term, but how did it grow into him actually bringing you into the partnership? Well, he saw the way I worked. I was a hard, hard worker and uh, I had all the technology knowledge and, and uh, much more because I had gone to a very good, one of the best schools in India. So my English was good and they, they were not as good as that time. So, but they, they, I helped them, they helped me in return. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is going to be a really naive question, really silly, but you know, I've seen gas stations for sale. I think a lot of people have been like, hey, you know, that'd be cool to own a convenience store. That'd be cool to own this gas station. So how do gas stations make money, right? I mean, how, you know, if you're the owner of the gas station, I, how, how do they make money? First of all, don't think it's an easy business. <laughs> gas station is not an easy business, but most of the gas station money is made on the inside sales. Not on the not on the gas or the lottery. So, but it's a it's a tough business to be in, and you have to be a very hard worker, ready to work any day, any time of the year. I I for the first seven years when I bought a gas station, I didn't take a day off. Seven years. Wow. wow. No vacations, n- no day off. Even on Sundays after church, I would go to the gas station for at least three, three, four hours. So after 2007, I, I decided to take a day off. So I, I, I started taking Sunday off after seven years of my work here in the United States. Wow. I mean, that, that that's impressive. And I mean, just kind of, you know, to see where you are today, it's no surprise, right? Based off of that work ethic and, and that drive. So you came in on the partnership, right? So you started there as a cashier. You came in, you partnered on one. How did that grow into eight? Well, I partnered with them. They gave me a share, 30% share at that time for no money down. I didn't have money. So I didn't have to, they they put my money. And after about less than a year, I don't remember exactly, but it was less than a year. We lost the lease on that gas station. The owner didn't renew the lease. So I I had no way other way to go. So, we, but we made some money during those eight months. And I partnered with my cousin and bought a gas station here in Fort Wayne downtown for 85000 
we we bought a lease, not the real estate. So we bought a lease and here uh, in Fort Wayne for eighty five thousand, and I I had like thirty percent share in that as well. And slowly over a years, my my cousin decided to go back to India. He was the fifty percent. I bought him out. I bought my nephew out. And then I was a hundred percent owner of that gas station for four or five years. After that, we bought another one, another one, another one, another one, and we got to eight. In from two thousand five to two thousand eleven, we bought seven more. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, and again, just like I mean, I don't know, I I can't say it enough, but I mean, just the you know, like you said, the first one you guys lost the lease on it, and then you kind of had you know had to reinvent yourselves and find a new way through, and just the. The wherewithal and uh, you know the perseverance is is impressive. So well, I decided not to lose. And at one point, my wife said, "Let's go back to India." I said, "You can go back. I'm not going back." I said, "You can take the kids, go back to India. I'll send you the money, but I'm not going back. I'm not. I'm not losing." That is that that is amazing. So what what made her stay? Why did she decide to stay? I burned the ships. <laughs> I burned no the way. ships. I told her, "Okay, you can go back if you want, but I'm not going back." Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's obviously worked out. Worked out since then. So so thankfully, you know. Everything... So she decided. She said, "I'm not leaving you alone." So she stayed with the kids, and That's... and with grace of God, thank to God. I mean, we have been very fortunate. And my eldest daughter, she she's in business with me. She's a partner with me on several gas stations, laundromat and uh, banquet hall. And my younger daughter is in the medical school. And my son, uh, he graduated from Cali School of Business. And he's he's taking care of one of the gas stations as well. I mean, again, so much, so much perseverance, but I mean, just the support of a spouse like that, right? I mean, with, with that much adversity to, to have, you know, you're very fortunate and obviously the both of you together are just a power couple, right? That's, that's amazing. So from, so when you talked about like 85,000, you bought the lease for that. I just have no concept, like what kind of cash flow are we looking at? What type of, you know, it's a business. So I know it's not the same as these real estate investments, you know, cash on cash yeah. and stuff, but what kind of ROI are you getting like paid back? Your entire principal year one, year two. What does that look like? Well, that that gas station, I still have it, and I built a laundromat just beside that gas station. That proved to be a gold mine for me. And if we talk in the in in the terms of real estate, I bought that real estate after about five years. In two thousand five, I bought the real estate as well. But the returns are really good in gas station, especially at that time, because there were not. Too many controls as today. Frito Lays has their own control. Pepsi, Coke, their own control on prices. Cigarette companies have their own controls on the prices. It wasn't the case back then. So we were making about fifty percent on our return on our money. Wow. <laughs> well, that's pretty. That's pretty tough to say no to, right? If you can make fifty percent on your money, I think that's. What, I can see why you wanted to continue rolling that forward. So, so I, have, the- I have gas stations where I made uh, almost two times or three times the buying price every year. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that, too, right. too good to be true. I was going to say you piqued my interest. I'm going to have to go dig in a little bit more and uh, yeah. do a little bit more due diligence. So what, what determines if you'd want to, I mean, obviously it's, you know, you don't know if the real estate and the business, you know, the actual, you know, business of the convenience store for sale at the same time or the gas station, you know, how do, when do you, why did you decide that it was worthwhile to actually buy the real estate versus just operating the business itself? Well, we Indians like the dirt. We like the dirt. And another reason is when we sell it, if we sell it, 
you you have a lot more appreciation because you own the uh, land as well you you got to make your own decision you get a better pricing on uh, uh, on the gas and other stuff so i have done this in almost all my gas stations first bought the business then bought the land and then you have you have more you make more money at the sale as well because the land appreciates the business appreciates yeah well and i mean especially if you're talking about the end buyer coming in on like an sba loan right i mean you know depending on how they look to finance it i mean they can stretch that amortization out to 30 years if you include the real estate right obviously it's usually a 10 year term if it's just just the business itself so obviously that makes it a lot easier for them to to service the debt payments if they're if they're able to extend it out to 30 years so So, so, okay. So you're crushing it in the gas station game, right? I mean, you're just, you know, hand over fist, you're, you're learning it. You're able to take yourself out of seven days a week a little bit. And now you're, you know, you're looking at this laundromat. So what was the process like? Like I've, I've heard of acquiring laundromats, but as far as developing one, that's a little bit more unique. So, so what was that process like? And, and what made you kind of pivot to the laundromat side of things? It was tough. It was tough because I had never done development. So I didn't know, but I did uh, one year of research, as I told you. So I figured out everything, how to do it and, and talk to several other people. And the, the company that sold me the equipment was very helpful. So they did some underwritings for me. They, they helped me with a lot of stuff. So I, 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 contacted some general contractors here, got the bids and like, I mean, the basic things I knew already, how, how to negotiate with the general contractors and all that. So I, I decided to go, go with the particular general contractor who at that time, who was looking for a job back in 2012, they had employees, they didn't have work. So I, I got it built pretty cheap. If I had to build this again today, I would at least invest an extra two hundred thousand on it. Wow! So you so you built the thing from the ground up. There wasn't even a shell. So there no, wasn't no. even a shell. Oh, no. Oh, wow. There was a bare lot that I bought first. It was sitting empty there since we owned the gas station, and it was a parking lot for another property. I bought that first, and then I built from ground up. Wow! And it did it end up being its own existing building or did you build it like you know into like was it more of a strip center or just its own no, laundromat it's, a, it's a own standalone laundromat very cool beautiful very cool. beautiful laundromat yeah in that How- neighborhood i wanted to give back to the neighborhood because i was i had made money there for 12 years and that neighborhood really needed a laundromat because there was a beaten up laundromat down the street and i and I, I also sometimes, especially sometimes on Saturday and Sundays, work at the cash register. So people would come to get quarters from us, and they will they will talk bad about that laundromat. Then that neighborhood needed a really good laundromat uh, at that time. So and I wanted to diversify, and there was a lot just next door to my gas station sitting vacant for several years. So I decided to put it to work. No, I love that. And I mean, you know, obviously you saw a challenge, right? You wanted to give back, right? So there was some impact involved in it, but then you also saw a business opportunity in regards to the challenge of what was was lacking in the local economy, you know, very, very hyper-local, right? But that that's awesome. Yes. So what, so I know you gave us a little bit of a synopsis of what type, what type of returns uh, a gas station kicks off. So again, you know, cause these are a little bit, you know, outside the norm from an asset class perspective. So what, what does a laundromat look like? What, 
what type of cash flow are you looking at that? And obviously you mentioned you you invested a substantial bit of money, which you'd own the building too, right? So it's, it wasn't yes. just the business. So you, at least you own the building as well. But what what type of return profile would folks, what would you think folks could look for in, in acquiring or operating a laundromat? About the same as the gas station. And it's much easier business than the gas station because you don't have employees. We, we have only one employee. She comes in the evening for two hours and one of our cashier goes uh, for about half an hour in the afternoon. He goes around and cleans up the laundromat, make sure everything is good. There's no trash or anything. And then a girl comes in the evening. I think she spends two or three hours to clean up all the machines, clean up the floor and everything. And it's Such- all it's all automated. I mean, if somebody has a problem, they text me or email me, I, I can go on my phone and fix it. Wow. Wow. And, and and that's such an important point. And I think that's kind of the challenge with folks looking at acquiring businesses is like, hey, this looks great, but maybe I'm already in a good spot and I don't want to buy myself another job. Right. You know, like if I'm already working hard and I'm comfortable where I'm at, like, you know, going and acquiring a business only to work just as much, if not more, you know, may not be, you know, the fit that they want. And so I think that's why, you know, we, we've looked into the laundromats a little bit, obviously not to the level by any means that, that you guys have, but I think they're super intriguing. And I just think the point you made around, you can automate a lot of the operations is so powerful and so important, right? And especially with so many unknowns about minimum wage and so many unknowns about, you know, what employee benefits are going to look like in the future. I just think that's such a power, powerful point. So what what does the laundromat portfolio look like now? Well, you can, uh, a few, few answer to your questions. You can contract it out. The cleaning part, you don't even have to hire anyone. You just contract to someone. And uh, whether he comes and cleans it, whether his wife comes and clean it, whether a friend comes and clean it, all you want to make sure that the property is clean. And then you can you can go online on the on your phone and access all the reports and everything. And you can fix the machines from here, shut down the machines, split. Uh, you can split a card with money or put money back on their card if they have problems. So you can you can manage it from your phone. I can manage it from India if I want. Wow! Wow! All right. Well, hey. You know, you got me right. I'm going to start digging in a little bit deeper. This is this. Is, I didn't realize it was that. You know, that level of automation. So, all right. Yeah. Well, no, that's I amazing. Can, I can lock the door from my home from my phone. I can turn on the security alarm from my phone. I can I can open the door from my phone. So it's all automated. Wow! Wow! Well, that, that that's pretty cool. That makes it easier, right? I mean, that and it's got a it's got a loyalty loyalty built into it as well. So. Absolutely. So the the exchangers, the, the machine, the computers we have, there is a loyalty built in. So they'll have a card, they'll get rewards, they'll come back and use those rewards. They get money on their birthday, they get money to register, and then you can send marketing emails, texts to them. There are so many things that you can do with this. Wow. Well, I hope I hope folks are taking notes right now because this is a lot of you know earth shattering stuff that, that they should look into because I think. That's amazing, right? Obviously, the distribution and the, like you said, the loyalty, right? You know, I mean, if you can kind of hook them in and like, hey, you know, not only are they providing a good quality service as far as the machines and the cleanliness of the operation, but then also, you know, hey, if I can save money by continuously coming back here over and over again, like you said, customer retention is so huge. That's that's an amazing opportunity. And let me tell you one more thing, because laundromats are not in the best neighborhoods. They're, they're always liable for security breach or break break-ins or something like that. So when somebody tries to take the coins out of your machine, there might be $50 worth coins, but he's going to break your computer board, which is $1,000 worth. So I don't, I don't have coins 
We don't accept coins. So we have one exchanger which is built into the wall where they once they enter the money, there's no way they no anybody can take it out. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, and, and that's a great point, right? I mean, because it's like we've and got you go to and you go to one place and take out the money maybe once a week, twice a week, or whichever works for you at your convenience and also when you when you have that money in there you print a report and give it to your accountant you don't have to have any accounting or any you got you don't have to do any of the accounting at all all we do at the end of the month we print a report and give it to our accountant it shows all the credit cards all the all, all the deposit cash deposits and the cash deposits into the banks as well no that 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 is a streamlined process and with with making like to your point about you know hey they're trying to break in and i mean again like you said you know you have to take demographics or locations between within neighborhoods for these properties and so we own a property and the mailbox kept getting hit by car a car you know it was like right on the you know right when they returned coming in and it just kept getting knocked over and knocked over and it's like well so eventually we just had to move it right hey that's not the location that it can be so unfortunately a lot of these circumstances to your point right now it's like well people are going to try to break into the machine right i mean we don't know when but you know every once in a while somebody's going to try to break into the machine and it's not that they took the 50 dollars; it's that they broke the computer board that's a thousand dollars right that's yeah. that's going to take a couple cycles to to get that back right some laundry cycles to get that money back so i just i think the way around what you're talking about automating but then also making it so that some of those bogeys that you don't think of or that you can, you know, move away as much as possible. So I think that that's a really interesting and, and powerful opportunity. So, so, I mean, you've got all this stuff going on, right? You got these gas stations, you got these laundromats growing. And then, so what's, what's like chirping in the back of your mind that's saying, Hey, you know, this isn't quite enough. You know, I think I can kind of go out and do more. So how, how did you kind of, you know, dabble even <laughs> further from there? Well, some some things happen by chance. You don't have to do anything. Somebody had a banquet hall, the best banquet hall here in Fort Wayne, and she was losing. She was losing that, and she approached me, hey, I have this banquet hall. I owe this much money to the bank. Do you want to buy it? So I got I digged into it, and we, we bought that just before the beginning of the COVID last year. And after two months, we bought it in January and they closed it down in March. So after two months of operations, we had to close that down. And after about a year and a half, now it started picking up and we had to move all the appointments, all the events to this year and then later this year. So we were kind of, we, we went down to three or four employees. We had to maintain it. We had to maintain the landscape. We had to, so, but... We got a chance to add value to the property as well, and uh, so we added value because it has it was it was built back in 2005, and it wasn't updated. Even the lightings, the chandeliers, everything was the same. The decoration was the same that they did 15 years. So we got a chance to upgrade all that during this COVID period. And most of it, we did it ourselves. And we we saved money, a lot of money on, we changed all the, it had thousands of lights. So we changed all the lights by ourselves. A lot of our businesses were closed and we had no nothing to do. So we decided to uh, do that uh, in the meantime and save some money because we lost some business. But it was good. The government helped. We got a loan. We got PPP money. So we, we cut down on our employees and everything. But business is business, you know. 
I mean, that's such a powerful point. I mean, yeah. even just throughout your throughout your journey. I mean, obviously you've been so successful, but even when you try to mitigate as much risk, I mean, because nobody could have predicted COVID, right? I mean, no. it just it came out of nowhere, right? And just yeah. you know, I have a lot of I have some friends that you know that they had attempted to start restaurants and their opening dates were like April or early May of 2020, yeah. and it's just it's sad, right? Because I mean, they kind yeah. of were doomed before they even started, right? And so, but just to to see that and kind of face that adversity and then find ways to overcome it. I mean, just kind of, I think that's a common theme in your story, right? You know, you kind of yeah. get punched in the gut and then you kind of just got to take was, it. Good thing was we bought it cash. So we didn't have to worry about the mortgage payments or the rent or anything. It's a nine acre property. It's a not small property. It's a huge property. So that there was expenses that we had to maintain the property even though there were no events or anything. Wow. Well, 2005, I mean, that's a nice vintage, right? So you said you got to do a little bit of update, but thankfully nothing structural, nothing, no, you know, no. like, you know, with the sewers or anything like that. So it was, you know, just like you said, you know, aesthetics, make it look a little bit cleaner and, and more modern. Yeah, we made it look more modern. That's it. We repainted it and we did all the chandeliers, lightings, we changed all that into LED and we, we put new updated TVs and the cosmetic stuff, I would call it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, at least you guys kept busy though, right? Because most people couldn't even leave their house. So you had a banquet hall to go to, to, to install lights and TVs and all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah, we could take our, take our dog with us too. <laughs> 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 well, you got a good sense of humor about it. So, so, and then also, I mean, obviously you've been doing some stuff on on the multifamily side with, with syndications and being a co-sponsor and on the GP side. So how'd you get involved in that? I got into single family first. Somebody offered me a 40 houses single family portfolio and we bought a we bought that portfolio without learning much because it was with one of our uh, family friends and we trusted him and he decided to help me for a year to learn the business and I decided to manage those 40 single family by myself which I did for five years and we made a lot of money. We made more money than the gas stations on those houses, wow. single family, single family. Wow. We, we 10x our money in five years to be specific. Well, I, <laughs> I, I mean, that's not too shabby, right? I, I think I, yeah, I, I, I could live I with that type too, of return. I know it's too good to be true. Sometimes people call me and ask me, how did you do that? And I, I'm happy to explain that uh, uh, to any of your audience if they ever decide to they can call me email me text me and set up time set get on my calendar i can show them how i did it and we sold it last year just before the covid we sold it the sold the whole portfolio just before the covid to one buyer you just sold it to, you kind of to one buyer okay yes. got it and when I got into the when I got into the real estate business, and uh, I I started learning about multifamily, so I learned about syndication, cost segregation, and the biggest problem at that time was we we were paying a lot of tax. Me and my partners were paying a lot of tax, so I decided to learn something about saving money on tax, and came across the syndication, cost segregation, and all that process back in 2015. So I decided to start investing passively with other operators. So I, I invested a lot of money and, and came to know a lot of good operators in, in the field. 
And I learned so much. And after investing in the first deal, I, I learned that we have to learn about the multifamily. It's not like buying a single family. So I decided I attended so many boot camps, attended so many live camps, learned, took so many courses, read a lot of books, did me about another year research about multifamily. And then I went big into it. I, I, I joined the mastermind. I, I attended a lot of uh, boot camps. I went on podcasts, started talking about my success story. And I formed a Facebook group where I have 6,000 members. And uh, I went big on it. And as of today, I'm invested in 14 deals passively. And I'm doing sixth deal as a general partner. I have about 33 3,300 units under my belt as a limited and a general partner as of today. I mean, you just can't stay, stay still, can you? I mean, <laughs> no, I can't. I mean, this is, this is crazy, man. I mean, this is, this is amazing. I extremely inspirational. I mean, like you said, 10 Xing the money on those single families. And, you know, I mean, like you said, you sold it right before COVID. I mean, you know, you probably would have 15 X it, you know, and unfortunately if you would, I mean, appreciation is just compressed. And I know institutional folks have started coming in and scooping up portfolios of single families, but I mean, that's just, that's tremendous. So what's, so for yourself, you know, you're an operator to the core, right? I mean, you're, you're the, you're not, you're not usually the guy that's just from afar, right? So now you're jumping in, you initially jumped in as an LP to kind of learn the business. What's your recommendation of folks that are looking to, you know, to potentially dabble as a limited partner? You know, maybe they have, obviously, like you said, maybe potential tax liabilities or they have, you know, whatever they're doing to generate income is, is, is what their core focus is. What's your recommendation of folks to kind of, you know, vet opportunities or have a good idea of, of what type of opportunities they should pursue as a limited partner? Well, first of all, anybody who wants to get on these deals as a general partner, they need to, they need to bring something to the table. So they need to figure out what they can bring to the table. Either they can find deals, source deals, either they can operate deals, do the asset management, or they can raise capital. And there are like several things that you, they, you can bring to the table. I decided to start with the capital. Capital is the most important thing. You can't close without capital. So I decided to raise capital for other good operators that I knew through my networking and my mastermind and i have partnered with several uh, different good operators they they had gone through full cycles and they have a lot of units under their belt and they i like to, like to bring my investors into b class properties because there's less risk because most of my investors are high net worth people accredited doctors engineers and so I like to bring them into good deals. Yeah, no, absolutely. And to your point around B-class, obviously, if you look at the, the the previous recessions, you know, obviously great financial crisis most recently, you know, th that was the most stable, right? Yes. C-class, C there's usually the most upside, but there's also the most risk from a collections perspective. And obviously with COVID, a lot of service industry workers, a lot of retail workers were impacted upfront, right? I mean, it's still, in my mind, hard to know like what the reality is right now because there's been so much government money and stimulus that's out there, right? So I think there's still unknown like what C-class is going to look like in the next six to nine months if the money turns off. <laughs> um, you know, we'll see. But I, I totally agree. I mean, I think B-class is kind of the place to be from a risk-adjusted perspective. You know, because if cap rates did swing drastically, you know, and you're in A, right, and you kind of had a projection of what your exit was going to look like, and now all of a sudden cap rates and interest rates pivot, you know, you could be in a rough spot, right? In C-class, the risk is more than anything is, 
you know, are your tenants paying, right? Are you going to drop to 50, 75% economic occupancy, right? So yeah. no, I think that yeah. I think that's a tremendous point. Well, so one thing we, we didn't touch upon, but I want to go back to it. I know it's kind of a, a tie-in to your previous career as a systems engineer, but we talked about all these investings and these business operations, right? But you're obviously extremely talented from a technical perspective too. So, so what's the software system that you've built? And, you know, and I've heard that you've gotten pretty good with adoption in the, in the local Fort Wayne market as well. Yes, actually, initially when I started with the gas station business, my partners were doing everything on paper on the registers, and we we used to take uh, all these uh, made copies and give it to the accountant. But I first of all, I made a program to operate gas stations. So everybody in this, because I was the first Indian to own a gas station here in Fort Wayne. So everybody here now we have about seventy-two gas stations that are owned by Indians in Fort Wayne and around Fort Wayne. And ninety percent, maybe more than ninety percent of them are using my software to operate the business. And as I told you, I love technology. I have always loved technology. I use a lot of technology. When I bought this portfolio, the guy I bought, he was 82 years old and he was doing everything with the pen, pen and paper. So he, he promised me to um, uh, teach me how to manage the properties for a year. I let him go after 10 days because <laughs> I didn't like his style. He, he was a very knowledgeable person, but he was old school. He was doing everything on pen and paper, and I I didn't have that kind of time. He was he was in the office from nine to five. He and his wife were in the office from nine to five every day, and I didn't have that kind of time. At that time, I was managing a gas station and a laundromat plus these forty single-family houses. So I I had put everything online. I I moved everything online to a property management software. And also all my leases, all my applications were all automatic. They could pay, they could pay rent on their phone. I, I, I hardly ever saw my tenants. They paid, either paid on the phone or they put a money order in my logbox outside my office. I, was, I closed down the office and I was working from home nine hours a week. That's it. Wow. And that's such a great story. And I think that's such an important piece for people that are looking to get on the operations side, right? I mean, you really should be looking for these low hanging fruit where you can look at technology solutions. And nowadays, right, there's so many across a swath of industries, right? And I just think, you know, I mean, you were fortunate kind of coming from that engineering perspective, right? You could kind of see, hey, there's a problem and this is a solution that we can we can put in place to automate it. But I would just ask folks, you know, and think through, hey, you know, are there is there somebody I can leverage, right? That's maybe done this before or that has some of these systems and processes in place so that I can, you know, spend a lot less time working on that function, right? You said they were nine to five operating it. You had all these other businesses you were operating and you were able to condense that down to, I mean, how many hours a week were you working on the 40, 40 properties, would you say? Nine hours. <laughs> yeah. So you, you took, you took what they were doing and did it in, in, in probably less than 20% of what they were, they, what they were doing. Right. Cause you said they were yeah. in the office nine to five, but they probably were working outside the office, you know, consolidating their notepads and stuff. <laughs> yeah, they were they're doing some stuff at home uh, in the evenings as well, and then they were having somebody else do do everything in the QuickBooks. I mean, it's I would I would sign a lease from my home. They didn't have to even meet me. They would sign a lease, go online and do everything, and I would check this, do the screening and everything from far away. So I didn't have to meet them, other than giving them the key. I couldn't. 
I I wish I had a way to give them a code so that they can go open the door, but my houses didn't have that kind of technology. So I had to give them a key to the house. That's so cool. That's so cool. I think I think that's so awesome. So well, let's dig into your cash flow stack real quick. So obviously, you know, most it seems like most of your income's coming from operations. So do you still have any that you kind of deem yourself as 1099? Do you kind of 1099 yourself as an employee within the gas stations or the laundromat? Or is that all is all the income you're taking out of those operations through just the business, the business means? Are you are you salarying I'm, yourself or I'm still employed what in the one gas station? where I still get, I think, $400 a week. So I don't I don't work. I don't work, but I have been doing this for the last 21 years. That is yep. from my original gas station, I told you. I'm still on W-2 for that. Other than that, I take my money uh, in K-1s. Got And that's the K-1s are from the syndications and, and things like that that you're talking about. Yes. And I'm, I'm active on some of my businesses on gas stations. I do most of the stuff from home for the gas stations as well. And I spend about two hours in the morning, less than two hours now, looking over everything for the gas stations from home. And and I am passive on a lot of my gas stations and other businesses as well. Nice. Well, and I think you had mentioned, right, you're babysitting today, right? So, uh, so no, you're, not you're me. Be- my, my wife is. <laughs> but you got the grandkids hanging out at least, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got the grandkids hanging out. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up with the contrarian three pack. So, I mean, I'm really excited about this one because you've been let all me, over. The- let me mention a couple of things that I, I always try to mention. I use Evernote. I started using Evernote back in 2011. I love Evernote to organize myself. And I, I'm an Evernote consultant as well. So I learned, I like it so much. I decided to get certified for Evernote. Evernote is a great tool for people to organize themselves. It's a productivity tool. Organize. I have everything in Evernote. So I want to say one thing about that. And the second thing I want to say about giving back to our community, we have our own charity and we have had this charity since 2009. We started with the adopting 10 kids in South India, where we, we send them money every month for living, education and clothes, etc. So now we have 15 of them and we, we are associated with six other organizations where we support them financially. And how we do it? For every carton of cigarette we sell at our gas station, we give 10 cents to our charity. We don't we don't accept donations from other people. So far, we have not since 2009. But for every carton that we sell in our stores, we have another couple of French stores associated with us, that charity as well. So for every 10 carton we sell at our all 10 stores, 11 stores now, so we get 10 cents for our charity. Those are, those are amazing call outs. And I appreciate you sharing that. And I mean, just, I think that's the thing that sometimes people kind of look at, you know, Hey, you're looking to accumulate this wealth and this legacy, you know, is it just an ego play? Right. But the fact that you're kind of talking about giving back and, and helping families in need, I think that's one of the biggest points for me about wanting to pursue wealth. Isn't necessarily because I want to drive a nicer car or I want to live in a bigger house, but it's like, what, what greater impact can I have? Right. And, you know, you live in the U S now it'd be difficult physically to do, you know, the amount of work that you can for those families in India, but one way that you can help is obviously financially. And so I just, that's amazing. I I really appreciate you sharing that. And I think that's just a a testament to obviously 
you know, obviously you've got the perseverance covered, but now you've got the compassion covered as well. So I think that, I think that's amazing. I appreciate you sharing. So we'll get into the last three questions here. So I know you've dabbled in a multitude of different things. Is there one investment and at all that sticks out in your mind is maybe the most contrarian or, or off the beaten path the most? Well, the houses have done great. <laughs> but even my other gas, some some of the gas stations, I have like made all the money that I invested in the very first year. Well, so so I guess you just got the the golden the golden thumb, right? I guess I guess that's yep. it. You've been able to to kind of find those veins that 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 leverage your skills the best to become as profitable as quickly as possible. I have been lucky enough throughout my life that whatever I have done, I've done it successfully. Never failed in any any of the businesses. Is that lucky though? Is that lucky? You can I don't can you have that track record and call it luck? I I, I think it's luck. It's, it's sheer luck that I have never been unsuccessful in any business. It may be. I guess if, if you're if you're 10 for 10, if you're 100%, I guess you can consider that a little bit lucky because, you know, I mean, just crazy things happen here and there, but you face so much adversity. So, you know, so you did you did have some stuff thrown at you along the way. So I know we've talked a lot about business and obviously you just mentioned charity, but what's what's your favorite thing to do outside of the gas stations, the laundromats, the real estate, the syndications with family and friends? I like to go on vacations. I love going on vacation, especially with multi family, because I can do business from anywhere. I can I couldn't do anything with the gas station running and managing gas stations. I, I don't manage gas stations for the last six years since since 2015. But I love going to vacations because I can do my multifamily business from there as well. I can be in touch with my uh, my Facebook members or my group. I, I can do two things at the same time. I can be on a vacation and looking at the properties. I love that. Is, is there a is there a favorite vacation spot, or you always just like checking out new areas? I like go. I, I like to go to Florida a lot. I go twice. <laughs> a, I go twice a year. Well, and now you got the property in Orlando, so now you got even more excuses to to go yep. check it out. Yep, that's one reason. Absolutely, very cool. And then following up, last one, what offers you the most fulfillment in life? I think my charity work, I love doing that. I mean, after all, we have to earn money for our living, for our kids. But that gives me a peace of mind. When I help someone, that gives me a lot of peace of mind. When I receive an email from the forgotten children that one of our kids has become a nurse or a teacher at a school, that gives me a lot of fulfillment. And some of our kids we adopted were like six or seven, eight years old when we adopted and we helped them throughout their life. And now they are 20, 21 and they have chosen a profession. They, they either they're teachers at school or they, they uh, became nurses at a hospital. So when I received that kind of emails from forgotten children, I, I just feel relieved. I was able to help someone. That's amazing. And I mean, that's, that's impact that'll live on, right. You know, for, yeah. for, for long into the future. So I, I just love that so much. Well, KK, this has been an outstanding conversation. Thank you so much for the time. What's the best way the audience can get a hold of you out there? I'm there on Facebook group all the time, every day, and, or they can go to our website, growrichcapital.com, check us out there and also fill up the form. And also they can download a book, and uh, there, how I save thousands of dollars on taxes. I mean, I think no, nobody's really going to complain about learning how to save more money on taxes, right? That's how, that's all of our largest expense, right? So if we can yep. learn how to save on taxes, then uh, we're going to be doing pretty pretty well. So And to reinvest the same money in the multifamily again and again. Do it all over. I've been doing this for the last five years. I always suggest 
other people do the same thing again and again several times. Absolutely. Save on, instead of giving money to the government, reinvest it. Absolutely. And do something with it, right? You know, like yeah. you said, with purpose, right? You know, help yeah. others. So, well, yeah. KK, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. Looking forward to seeing where uh, where you go to in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks Until for then. having me on your show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Until next time, live fulfilled. Thank you for listening to Contrarian Cashflow. I would greatly appreciate it if you left an honest review, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode, and share with someone you feel would find value. Until next time, think different, earn different, live fulfilled.